0: This episode is sponsored by Ahrefs. If you're looking for ways to drive more SEO traffic, you'll need to take a look at Ahrefs. Ahrefs allows you to find and fix technical errors, keyword gaps with your competitors, and internal link opportunities. Many of the best SEOs in the game use Ahrefs, and so do Eli and I. It's a key tool in our work. We've been using it for many years with some of the best tech companies in the world. Check out ahrefs.com and sign up for a free seven-day trial. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Contrarian Marketing Podcast, where we give you ideas you might not be thinking about. Today is a special episode where we talk about the impact of chatbots in search and why that might be a good thing. Eli, I actually want to start with something different. Microsoft and Google got a lot of attention this week for their new AI chatbot integrations in search, but... Attention in general is a kind of new form of power. One person who really understands how to gain attention and monetize it is Mr. Beast. Recently, Mr. Beast in an interview said that he wouldn't sell his business for at least a couple tens of billions of dollars. Right, so a while ago, he raised $150 million at a valuation of $1.5 billion, But then in this interview recently, he said, oh, I actually wouldn't even talk below a couple of tens of billions of dollars. And at first I was like, Oof, that's that's pretty crazy for a creator. But then I saw this super cool YouTube short, from a guy called Patrick Bat-David. And Patrick Bat-David has written a book called The Next Five Moves, which I can recommend. You can find the link in the show notes. And he had this really interesting point. So he said, look, the Super Bowl, which by the way, is on this weekend. So when you hear this, it, we already might know who the winner is. The Super Bowl is not going to be the 49ers. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't have a contrary viewpoint on this one. I, I, <laughs> that is a, an absolute prediction. I think the winners are going to be the advertisers, but maybe that's not what people want to hear. But the Super Bowl gets a little bit over 100 million viewers. If you want to advertise on the Super Bowl, you pay about 5 million for 30 seconds showtime. Mr. Beast has a little over 130 million youtube followers alone right so he also has tiktok and a couple of other channels but on, on youtube it has over 130 million so more than super Bowl, which is bowl.
1: better because you can't go to the bathroom like it just pushes to you even in the bathroom <laughs> yes you can watch it in the bathroom
0: or you can pause <laughs> the it. super bowl commercials you just you know you gotta go to the bathroom you gotta go <laughs> not doing the commercials you go during the game yeah yeah, long story short, so Mr. Beast has more attention than the Super Bowl, which means that he can probably ask for over $5 million per ad, and he integrates them very natively, right? It's not, all these ads are very contextual, they make a lot of sense for the video, and so he makes probably at least $5 million per video, and so that's why him valuing his business at a couple of tens of billions of dollars actually makes a lot of sense. He gathers more attention than the Super Bowl, and just goes to show how much attention you can get on new media like YouTube and how important followership and audience building is, right? So in my mind, brands should really think about how to build and keep an audience over time because now we see creators like being more powerful and bigger than actual businesses.
1: That's cool. I think on that topic, another big thing that's happened in the last couple of weeks is Netflix. I don't know whether the leak or they were just testing the waters. They said that they were going to crack down on sharing. Kevin, do you pay for your Netflix? Yes. I'm just say this is
0: what you do. I pay. I pay for my Netflix and uh, some people use my account too. Oh, there you go. I've never paid for Netflix.
1: (laughs) I had a friend, he texted me once. He's like, I updated my Netflix password. I'm like, I don't care. And he's like, aren't you using it? I'm like, nope, but uh, send me that password. So I've been (laughs) using his Netflix for seven years. He's even got like the plan to share with everyone he shares with his parents, his in-laws and me. I think there's a lot of people that pay. I don't even know what Netflix costs because I don't pay for it. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that pay and they don't watch, I don't know, $14, 18 $20 worth of just shows and movies every month. But they feel if they're sharing it with their whole family, it's worthwhile. Like Amazon Prime, it comes with Prime Video, but I don't value the Prime Video as a part of my annual Prime subscription, which keeps going up in price. It's about the free shipping. It's about Fast shipping, it's about, so then I get some prime video on top of it and I don't think I ever even watch it, even though a lot of the stuff is the same as Netflix. So I think Netflix is making a mistake in trying to crack down without adding more value. I actually think that they're going to probably lose revenue. Going back to your Mr. Beast point in the connection here, it, there's only a finite amount of hours in a day you can entertain yourself when you're not sleeping and you're not you know, talking to people. Netflix is playing in the same world as Mr. Beast. You're watching videos. You can watch them on YouTube for free or you can play Netflix. And if you don't feel like paying Netflix, you can go watch Mr. Beast. I think that's what everyone you know, in this space needs to keep in mind. It's not Netflix competing against Discovery Plus and, HD, and HBO and ESPN. They're competing against hiking and Mr. Beast and TikTok and Instagram. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I think Netflix has got to try this. They're in an environment where they got to crack down and get some more revenue. I would be skeptical if it actually grows the base or if it just gets the same and then you get a bunch of angry people. So we'll see
0: where this goes. I wonder if people, if maybe Netflix hopes that more people use the new ad tier and then pay a much lower price if they can't use somebody else's password anymore. But I think you're making a really good point. And it would go as far as saying that Everybody who creates entertaining content competes against all the other entertaining content all the time. If it's technical content or educational, it might be different because people want to learn something that they might need for their job or to make money. But if it's entertaining, then you com- you compete against all of these things, even sleep, as you said. And I think that's the mindset you want to use to approach entertaining content, which I think people should put out. But you have to you have to have that mentality that competition is endless and there's so many good things out there. How do you create something that's so entertaining that people skip other stuff, like they don't watch Mr. Beast and read or watch your stuff? I think that's kind of mentality you need to have these days. And
1: pay you monthly. Like, you know, if I didn't have a Netflix account, I probably wouldn't pay for it. It's not that valuable to me. I have Prime Video if I really want to waste time. I have YouTube on my smart TV. I can watch that. I could watch stuff on my phone, TikTok on my phone, Instagram on my phone. I probably wouldn't pay. If there's a great show I really want to watch, I'll pay for one month. But I I can't see spending and wasting that much time like my kids, when they watch shows, it's on YouTube. They're watching on the smart TV. They don't need Netflix. I have it because it's being shared with me, but I'm not so sure I'd pay for it.
0: Uh, speaking of paying and attention, uh, let's talk a little bit about the AI chatbots. So just to set the stage really quickly, uh, Microsoft and Bing both announced new AI chatbots in search. Google's AI chatbot is called BART. Eli, uh, give me your best bash of the name BART. <laughs> How do you think about that?
1: I was going to post on LinkedIn, like come up with the best acronyms for what it stands for I just it's a dumb name I don't even know why they had to name it something like that they should have done like what Apple does and you name it after mountains and interesting stuff instead of acronyms of things that people don't really understand I think it was like Bart Simpson. I heard Bart and I thought of Bart Simpson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, good one. Good one. Microsoft, is, is the name is much cooler. It's called Prometheus. And uh, some people suspect that it's GPT-4. It's an iteration of ChatGPT, like a next level iteration. And uh, they did a really good job. Out of the blue, Microsoft announced their event a day before Google's. And they delivered. It was really successful. And Google's event did not deliver at all. Matter of fact, the Google stock tanked by minus 7%, which is $100 billion after the announcement. And... Microsoft's uh, increased by about plus 3%. So you see that that investors in the market like Microsoft much more. And it was a kind of funny accident in uh, Google's announcement. As a matter of fact, the screenshot that they had in the blog article showed a hallucinated answer from chat. So there was something factually incorrect. And I think somebody lost their job at Google that day.
1: Uh, my prediction was someone already lost their job and they got laid off and they left that Easter egg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: Google was trying to save money with the layoff and they blew $100 billion in market cap.
0: <sighs> Man, imagine people will hate you for that if somebody has really done that because... Hopefully they sold the stock short. Yes. yeah, if, if they shorted the stock, yeah, that would have been smart. But all their former colleagues will probably not have a good referral for that person anymore.
1: So I think this is overblown. What do you think? I think like... Everyone's all up in arms. This is the future. We've talked a little bit about ChatGPT before, not knowing that Google and Bing were going to rush into something. But I think, again, like I said in the earlier episode, it's a step change in what we have already. I think the whole concept of SEO and search is done. I know we don't like to talk about SEO that much on this podcast, but I think it's interesting. But it's an elitist point of view to think 2 billion people that use search engines suddenly want to be told answers. Like I can just imagine there's so many scenarios where you don't want to be told something. You want to do your research. Like think about the COVID vaccine. People want to inform themselves. They want to go to Google or Bing. It's 5% of people use Bing. (laughs) And they want to go and inform themselves about different opinions, even wrong opinions. And Google and Bing, unlike social networks like Facebook and Twitter, don't label things as misinformation. That's for you to figure out on your own. it looks like two lights aren't available right now. Oh, God.
0: Someone is listening.
1: There's my Google Home listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I, they don't label things as misinformation. You can go inform yourself exactly whatever you want to inform yourself. When it comes to chatbots, even if it's quoted, it's still filtered. The AI algorithm is deciding what you can be informed. We'll go into legal in a second. Maybe there's a legal issue with them saying something that's misinformation, that's debunked, like, again, going to the COVID vaccines. Some say, going back to Google's weird screenshot this week, this year, some say the COVID vaccine will kill you. Do they have legal liability for quoting this some say? if It's not true. Even if they quote the website, it's still not true because they've told it to you. So I think there's an elitist point of view, which is I want to go on a trip and I want to be told where I should go instead of I need to do research. I want to find the best hotel in San Francisco. I'm going to be told by the chatbot where that is instead of here's my research. I've read a bunch of stuff and I've made my
0: own determination. What do you think? I think you have a point there. I also at the same time think that I don't want to underestimate the laziness of people, especially when it comes to political points. I think people seek more for validation of their already formed opinions rather than disproving their opinions. That's a really difficult thing to do, to say, I want to go out and I want to look for counterfactual evidence of what I actually think to be true. It's also a trait that, that smart people have. At the same time, I think it's tricky when a chatbot answer gives you a kind of a filtered point of view but i also think that search engines will do a hell of a lot to either avoid some of these unclear highly politicized toxic answers which we've seen in chat where it actually gives you wrong information or they will try to label it or they will filter it against the search results already and only give answers based on high authority websites, right? So in the health space, there could be something like Mayo Clinic, which Google already uses to give answers about symptoms and treatments of diseases in the search results directly. So I think they take that into account. I still wonder though, to your point, how people will adopt this like single type of definite answer, or if they maybe just will engage with the chatbot and say, look, give me different viewpoints or give me a couple different options And then they, I will do that.
1: But then I think you judge it. So I I went on ChatGPT and I asked it to confirm for me that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. Just kidding. He did not. (laughs) (laughs) And it said that Joe Biden won the 2020 election. So if I think that Donald Trump won the 2020 election and ChatGPT or Bard or Prometheus tells me that is not correct, I doubt it. I suddenly doubt it. There are a lot of people that think that Donald Trump won the election. If you're one of those people that think Donald Trump won the election, it doesn't matter who told you that he didn't you're not going to believe that person anymore so i, I think it, again it's an elitist point of view to think that there aren't people out there that are no longer going to trust search like there a number of people think that twitter is rigged totally rigged maybe it is rigged but they think it's completely rigged and it's written it's run by the illuminati google's run by the illuminati now we need like a chat bot that tells you all the right answers i just Again, I think it's an elitist point of view to not understand that there are many people, not in America only, but in the entire world, that think that there is an elitist, I don't know, group of people that decide information and police information in the world. And it, it comes down
0: through this chatbot. Let's talk a little bit about the impact on websites and traffic. Do you think this is, if it rolls out, and besides the latest point, do you think this is going to kill a lot of informational traffic? So when people would have searched for how to, I have to make something up, What what is jaundice, for example, right? And now they get a, a couple of web results, they can compare different web results, they also get a direct answer from Google. Do you think that kind of traffic will just go away to web results because people will get, get the answer from an AI chatbot?
1: Totally. So I have this thing I've been talking about for a long time called search arbitrage. Mm-hmm. That's the concept. And we're coming up on the Super Bowl here. And it's a classic example. So 10 years ago, if you wanted to know what time the Super Bowl starts, Super Bowl starts the same time every year, no matter where it's played. If you want to know what time the Super Bowl starts, you go and you Google it, what time the Super Bowl starts, you get like a ranked article from NFL.com, CBS News, whoever aired it, you had this whole article and it tells you where it's being played, what time the Super Bowl starts. Google disintermediated that entire thing. And so did Bing and so did Yandex, and so did every search engine. They bought the data set. They can tell you, you know, who won the game, they can tell you what time the thing starts, they can tell you what time it is in Sydney, Australia, they can tell you, you know, what date someone's birthday is, all those things. So you no longer could make a website just around those things that you could pull out. Right now we live in this world where let's say you have a SaaS software. And you write all this useless content about the things your SaaS maybe does or doesn't do when you're trying to merge people over, move them over to buying your SaaS software from this useless content. That will be interrupted. But I don't think that content necessarily offers value to the world, so this is a good thing. Now, if you're providing a valuable tool, if you're a resource for information, if you help people, if you're e-commerce, ChatGPT isn't gonna change a thing. If you're SaaS, your actual SaaS searches aren't gonna change information you provide, again, if it's not unique, not valuable, and can just be disintermediated by a chatbot, totally, that will change.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, actually. I, actually, my, my current point of view is that AI chatbots can actually be great for SEO. And I think that traffic will probably go down, but it's noisy traffic, right? There's a lot of the super top of the funnel traffic that brings people to your website that don't have a strong intent. That might click a lot on your website or spend some time, but it's actually not valuable traffic because they leave. They might come back sometime in the future, but most attribution models don't account for that. So that is why SEO traffic is often a little muddy. It's often a little noisy. And I think that because of these AI chatbots, more websites in the future will get much higher converting traffic, meaning much higher intent. So they'll get less traffic, but it's going to be better, it's going to convert better and it's going to be easier to measure. And that will allow SEOs to actually better predict the value of SEO, better understand how important SEO is as a channel for the company, and everybody will be a bit happier. We'll create less of this, as you already said, like this content, this top of the funnel content that everybody creates, like what is this? What is that? I think most of the time, writers don't love to write that stuff anyway. Traffic will be much more solution-centered, much more commercial, and there is still a big part of the web End of SEO that chatbots cannot yet satisfy, like e-commerce searches, product searches. They might deliver some information about comparisons, but if you want a detailed comparison, then you might still click through to websites. And I think that's where the opportunity is in the future.
1: Again, I think there are a lot
0: of things that everyone has a
1: personal view on how things should be. That's the kind of thing you cannot just use a chatbot because it's not personal enough. If I want to know which kind of Let's say I'm doing e-commerce, which kind of material is going to last the longest, which is the best car for me. I need. I can't just have a chatbot tell me, buy this car. You got to go and read all the information. You have to look at pictures. So I think it changes, but I don't think it's a game changer. Like search engines are dead. Now, Search en- there is a problem, though, for search engines, which is monetization. And that's why I think Google and Bing definitely didn't want to go here right away. I mean, obviously, Google had Google Assistant. It's going to be hard to monetize a lot of those things. You did an informational search in the past. There was always an ad on it. But now if you, your top result is this chatbot, there's no ad. I've given you the information. So maybe we get back to and if you remember back in the day, 15 years ago, where you could buy links within content, there was a company I think it was called Conterra. That's where we're going to get back to. You buy these links within the chatbot, like you bid on the piece of text, and then there's your click. So maybe that's where we can. <laughs> monetization. And that's, I think, why Google stock went down. Because, I mean, they have to do this. They're being forced to do this by Microsoft. They're being forced to do this by ChatGPT.
0: And they don't have a good solution. And it's clearly going to hurt their revenue. Google's reaction was poor. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> sorry to all my Google friends. I, it's not personal, but I just think it was this interesting moment in the Google event Live from Paris where they wanted to show a live display of a new feature on a phone and they couldn't find the phone. And that to me was just so symbolic to the whole reaction from Google. It seemed like they packed us together in the last minute. It was a weird mix of different things in Google Maps and Google Search and then some other stuff. They showed the blobs. Have you seen the blobs, Eli? No. Holy cow. What was that even? It was a new audio AI feature. It was just so comical. It was almost like a satire. And I don't know why they just they had nothing to show, really. They didn't have anything to show. The prototype that they displayed did not have citations, even though Google swore to, to keep sending traffic to the web ecosystem, and they don't have a prototype out yet. Bing, you can go to Bing, and you can see some examples of Prometheus in search. You cannot yet define your own queries, but at least there's something to show. Google has nothing along these lines, and they were talking a lot about how much they contributed to the generative AI ecosystem, but it's, I, think they're, I think Google is chasing them.
1: Yes, and I think it's unfortunate because I actually think Google has a ton of AI. Like I pushed this thing last week on LinkedIn about Waymo. So Waymo, which is Google's autonomous driving division. So it used to be called Google Autonomous <laughs> Driving. Now it's called Waymo. It's so its own company worth billions of dollars. They just surpassed, forget the number, like a billion or the most miles. They've driven the most autonomous miles out of any company. And they have this whole list of how many left turns they made, which is a left turn is very hard for a AI, for autonomous driving that's impressive. That's impressive AI. So I think Google has a ton of AI. And this post was like, you guys think Google doesn't have AI? They have a ton of AI. But I I think they they rushed this comparison. They rushed like, hey, we do the exact same thing. And that's unfortunate because I think Google is an AI company. They've got, I don't know if you've ever seen these presentations from Google. They've got like contact lenses that can do glucose readings. And they've got all this health stuff and topic of Chinese balloons. But Google has balloons that like can give internet to places that don't have the internet. Like they've got a lot of cool stuff that is driven by AI, but unfortunately they didn't have a chatbot. That is as cool as ChatGPT. And they tried to prove that they did and they messed it up.
0: It just goes to show that just having good technology or good product is not enough. You need to build a business around it and you need to bring it to the people. So I want to like hypothesize with you a little bit about which businesses are impacted the most by this new chatbot in search rollout or chatbots in general? What do you think, Eli? So I think there are two businesses that will, I think, be impacted. It's not
1: an obvious one, but uh, they're public, so we'll see how it impacts their revenue, which is Upwork and Fiverr. So there are a lot of tasks, which I think are done on Upwork and Fiverr with people that you don't pay a lot, like they write content, they post on social media, they craft your copy for social media, they write you quick codes, they organize your emails, like all those kinds of tasks, I think that can be done by generative AI. So we don't see it right away, But as people learn how to do these things, you can say, write my newsletter instead of having paying someone on Upwork or Fiverr to write your newsletter, Generative AI can do that. That's a business that I think the revenue gets impacted. There are definitely going to be websites that lose traffic, but I don't know that, like you said earlier, I don't know that the revenue is impacted because the traffic isn't necessarily valuable.
0: Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you there. I think one example of a business that might actually have big problems now is Investopedia, sites that, that deal with lots of informational content and the content on Investopedia is really good. But they just have so many content around how to and what is type of questions that I think will go away. And that might impact their ad revenue bottom line. I can also see companies like or websites like eHow and Cora getting a decent hit because they're all about learning some stuff and new information. I'm not sure about Reddit. Reddit is more like a community type of conversation. I don't think they will get impacted as much. But I could see the basic, oh, here's how you do something very simple type of websites getting a decent hit. And then I also wonder how Wikipedia will fare in the future. I think that their training, their data has been used for training all these models extremely heavily. They're also a nonprofit and they get a lot of huge donations from Google and Microsoft and all these other companies. So I wonder if maybe they change their business model slightly to licensing their data out. The data still needs to come from somewhere in the content. So I wonder, or if maybe somebody competes with Wikipedia. So a new business comes out that just focuses on creating exceptional data that's, co- that's crafted by humans, but used to train these big uh, models.
1: Yeah, no, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. Wikipedia is that source of information right now. And it's mostly correct today, but it only incorporates what UGC does. And now we don't even need the UGC. We can have this generative AI. So I totally agree with you. I think that businesses that just provide information could be in trouble. Media could also be in trouble. You can now go to Generative AI and say, hey, what's what's going on in the business news today? Who's doing layoffs? What's going on in Ukraine? And they'll just give you that wrap up. You don't actually need to go to the website that has put all the money and effort into creating that news and see their ads. Definitely things will change.
0: I don't think it's the end of the world. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I think we I think we're in agreement here. Speaking of things changing, in terms of layoffs, we officially crossed 100,000 laid off tech workers, but at the same time, the US unexpectedly added 500,000 new jobs in the last month, which is January. So, two conflicting signals. Uh Eli, what do you think? Uh are we, is it just tech sector getting crushed right now? Do we see covid hangover or what's your point on this? Definitely there was a lot of
1: overhiring. What's interesting is there's a lot of jobs. So, There's a lot of venture money, at least in the tech sector, it's on the side. They're not investing just yet, but they will because they have to deploy that money. So if someone's looking for a job, I think it's a connections problem more than a job opening problem. So all of our listeners, if you're out there, help other people find jobs, make connections so they can find those roles because there are definitely roles out there. They're just different and they need to be connected. If we were in an environment where there was 10% unemployment and there are all these unemployed people, that would be a problem. But unemployment is very low. There are jobs, maybe not the exact same jobs, maybe not paying as much as other jobs. I think there are jobs out there and it's incumbent on everyone, whether you're employed or unemployed, just a human in the world to help make those connections, both for the hiring manager, because they need access to the people, but of course, for the potential employee,
0: make those connections a good thing for the world. Good thing for the economy. Obviously, good to be a good human. Good to be a good human. We should uh, should end on this one. Uh, Eli, it's been a pleasure as always. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Kevin. And now it's your turn. Head over to contrarianmarketingpodcast.com and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get a summary of today's episode, key takeaways and community content. And while you're there, go to today's episode and leave your opinion in the comments. We'll feature the best thoughts in the newsletter and on the podcast. Also, if you like today's episode, please feel free to leave five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and here next week.